0: And I'm thankful and I'm excited because as you saw in that video and you know, next week's our outreach contribution, our, our, our missions contribution to sport ministry and missions all over the world and, and here in the States and even here in Memphis. And I'm really looking forward to it. If you're, if you're a guest today, okay, sometimes preachers pray that visitors not show up on a day where they're talking about money, right? But I am so thankful you're here today. Okay. And I hope you'll come next week. Because you're going to see next week this church raise $235,000 in one morning and then just give it away to the best ministries in Memphis and around the world. I mean, it is a world-changing morning. Okay. Literally, the world will look different Monday, a week from tomorrow, because of what we do a week from today. Okay. And I hope you'll come and watch. And don't feel like you need to give a dime. Just watch and see what this church cares about. Because we're going to pay for homeless moms, like you saw in the video, to find a place to stay with Agape. We're going to pay for children to turn their life around with Timothy Hill Children's Ranch. I'm so glad y'all are here this morning. We're going to pay for a Highland family to adopt. We're going to help them Adopt, like we've done recently with our adoption ministry. And we're going to pay, like you heard from Jab and Becky, okay, for preachers to be trained on the island of Papua New Guinea and then walk across that island over mountains to deliver the gospel to, pre- to people living in villages that have literally never heard of the name of Jesus. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. I know this church is going to give generously. I, you know, I really, I don't feel like I need to persuade you. You're, you're going to do it. I know. I have no doubt about it. In fact, Chris and I have decreased the preaching we do leading up to these outreach contributions because this church is just faithful. We usually exceed our goals. And so I'm really thankful for that. So I want to do something different today, if you'll, if you'll bear with me. I want to do what we call in school biblical theology, which is, you know, a complicated way of saying it. I want to trace an idea through Scripture, okay? And at the end of the sermon, I want us to ask, what does that idea based in Scripture have to do with what we're going to do next week? So will you go with me to this kind of obscure corner of the New Testament, 3rd John, 3rd John, right before Jude and Revelation. <clears throat> that probably was not on pitch. I'm sorry about that. 3rd John, verse 5, beloved, When you are doing all that you do for the family members, even when they are strangers, you're doing a faithful work. These people have borne witness to your love in the presence of the assembly, and you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. They went out for the sake of the name, not accepting help from outsiders, and we ought to support people like that so that we may become fellow workers with the truth. They went out for the sake of the name. Moses is trembling. The bush that was burning and somehow not burning up is now speaking to him. Things are going from weird to terrifying. But he obeys. He obeys this talking bush. He creeps forward. He slips off his sandals, and he stands there on holy ground. And then the bush starts to tell him a story, a story about this God who's heard his people down in Egypt crying out and has decided to deliver them. Only problem is he needs a messenger, someone to go tell Egypt and Israel about this. And Moses looks around to see if the bush might be talking to someone else. The bush is not. The bush is talking to him. And he's doubtful about his ability to do this. He's ready to slip those shoes back on and flee from holy ground like all of us would be. But the bush speaks again and says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and I will be with you. Which is an impressive pedigree, but it's not enough for Moses. If Moses is going to do this, if indeed this is a God speaking to him, he needs to know One more thing, he says. So if I tell the Israelites their God sent me, and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? Moses can't go and do God's work without God's name. Years later, a lame man sits beneath this famous gate in Jerusalem called Beautiful, the Gate Beautiful, Which is ironic, he thinks to himself, as he sits there under that gate, looking down at useless limbs and reflecting on a life of pain and begging. His life is anything but beautiful. Only on this day, Peter and John walk by, and he looks at them, they look at him, and then Peter speaks to him, and he says, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he does walks home that evening thinking, what a beautiful day. By what power or by what name did you do this? The elders ask Peter and we see in both the story and in the question after the story that there is apparently power in some names. And Moses and Peter and John would tell you, there's power in the name of the Lord, power. But power for what? Well, sometimes questionable usage, like Elisha, for example. He's not in his prime when we see him marching up to Bethel, his head is down as he trudges up the hill, revealing that growing bald spot. Some of you can identify with Elisha. When we painted the ceiling in here black, someone came up afterwards and thanked us because a bald guy sat in front of him every week and the glare off of his head was noticeably improved. (laughs) You bald guys got it rough. Elisha's trudging up the hill. He's minding his own business when some hairy teenage boys who don't have this problem yet start calling out, go away, bald head. He must have been in a bad mood already because his, his response seems a little dramatic. When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. See what I mean? There's power in the name. And watch out for She-bears. But Elisha is an anomaly. The power, the power wrapped up in God's name, okay, is typically associated with God's power of restoration or transformation or rescue, like it was for the lame man at the gate called beautiful, like it was for Israel after 400 years in Egypt. That's why Moses wants to know God's name before he marches into Egypt, because some things... Only the name of God can change. When we think about God's name, what we are thinking about is God's holiness. That's that's what the name of God is getting at, his incomparability, his uniqueness, this power that God has that no one else in the world has. So in Ezekiel, we're, we're back in the Old Testament here, In Ezekiel, when the Jews are wandering away from their home in Babylonian exile, it's not their lives that God is worried about. It's not the temple God is worried about. He's watching. And look, when they came to the nations, wherever they came, Israel, they profaned my holy name, not by something they were saying, by what was said about them, because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. People are beginning to doubt the holiness of God's name because it seems like God can't take care of himself or his people. And so then and there, God vows to bring him home. But he says, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. God's name has got to stay holy. You know, I think we could learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters in this who don't actually say the name of God for fear that they'll dishonor it. And Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, his followers, teaches us to pray, first of all, about the name of God. You remember this line in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, which sounds like a statement of fact. God, your name's so holy, but it's not a statement of fact. It's an imperative, okay? It'd it actually be better translated, God, make your name holy. Well, the first thing Jesus teaches us to pray is, God, act in the world in ways the world can't deny. Okay? Act in the world so powerfully that the world sees your holy name and has no choice but to repent because of it. Okay? That's what we're supposed to pray. Why, though? Why? Well, because I think something happens when we encounter the holiness of God. Something happens to us. Isaiah is standing there one day, and his knees suddenly begin to quake. The sky starts to swirl around him, and he's transported into this giant room. And the room is full with the hymn of God, the train of his robe, okay? And there's these birds with six wings flapping all around him wildly. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah, seeing that holiness, has this crisis because he looks at himself and he thinks, oh, woe is me, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And it's only then that God takes the coal from the fire and presses it to Isaiah's lips, transforming him. You remember this? See, there's this pattern here. There's these unholy people encountering the holiness of God and being sent into crisis recognizing how unworthy they are to even hear the holy name of God. And it's only then that God responds by taking the transforming coal and pressing it to his lips. And then God says, Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And there's no question about who's going to respond. He's just transformed this guy. He's standing up, he's freed from all the baggage of his past, and he's finally ready, Isaiah, to say, oh God, here am I, well send me. For those of you who've been baptized, which is probably many, you found something in the holy name of God, like Isaiah, that was both intoxicating and convicting, frightening. You know, what led you to that water was this realization that by comparison, your name, your reputation, and your power were just kind of pitiful. But it's right then at that moment, as you go down into that water, that God takes that burning coal, applies it to your lips, and you arise, literally stand up from the water to say, what? Here am I. Send me. Well, do you re- remember what you were baptized into. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You were not baptized so that you might live in a mansion in the sky in the by and by. You were baptized for the sake of the name. For the sake of the name. I think John, here in this third letter, would say that we are all in our own spheres of life sent out. For the sake of the name. That each of us, as bearers of that name, as people who have been baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we have this responsibility to bear that name into the world. So that when the world sees the holiness of God evident in our lives, they'll be brought to crisis and repent, so that God might place that transforming coal upon their lips. I think. John would say that, but I think you'd want to talk about process, okay, because I think John would say that there are areas of bondage so great in this world, that there are people so damaged and paralyzed by the things of this world that aren't beautiful, that there are, are lives in this world in such Babylonian ruin that some people will have to go to them. God hears some cries and then needs a messenger to reach them. God says, who will go for us? And so John says, some of us have to go for the sake of the name. You know, whether it's to Papua New Guinea or to the Shelby County Department of Children's Services, some just have to go. Some have to go, whether it's to Ukraine where we have missionaries or to Labaner Hospital. Some, they just have to go. Whether it's to La Rose Elementary, one of the lowest performing schools in the state, or whether it's to the Philippines, some just have to go, okay? Some just have to go, whether it's to Agape, Child and Family Services, or to the Correction Center, with Hope Works to be a faith encourager, sometimes some people just have to go for the sake of the name, can't stay put, gotta go, so that the world doesn't look on unimpressed with God's name and say, well... These are the people of God, and yet he doesn't take care of them. Sometimes, some people, they gotta go. That's what John would say. But then he would say to us, so help them go, help them go. I met a woman who made her way to Agape, Agape Child and Family Services some time ago. She was abused as a child. She told me, told me her story. You know that one in three young ladies will be abused sexually before she reaches 18? One in three. With numbers like that, I know that some of you in here were, and I'm so sorry. Her story was probably like yours. She was abused repeatedly. I lived with a, a mother and different guys in the home. She told me that she would every Sunday morning, get up as early as she could and get on the first church bus that drove by her house, whichever church it was, because she stood the best shot of getting there and getting home before anybody else woke up. Whichever the first church bus was, she was on it. And as a child, the things of God were just a mystery to her, like they are to all of us. But to her, it was it was made more mysterious because of all this trauma around her. And she was telling me the story, and she stopped in the middle. She said, Eric, the only thing I could rem- remember in those moments was something I heard. She said that there, was, that there was power in the name of Jesus. That's all I could remember. And so her abusers would come, and they did. And she said, all I could think about was the name of Jesus. So I would just say it over and over again. And she looked at me and she said, Eric, that's the only reason I'm alive. Years later, she made it to Agape, where she got counseling. You know, you think about it. Agape is not just a place that exists. It's there down on Racine Street between Walnut Grove and Poplar because someone had to go, right? Right? You know, there were these children that were homeless and orphaned, and there were these moms who were homeless and abused and battered. And someone, well, someone just had to go to them. That's why they're there. They're not just there because they happen to exist, to have plopped down there on Racine Street. They're there because somebody had to go. And she told me it was there at Agape for the first time that the transforming coal of God was pressed to her lips. And if you saw her today, you wouldn't believe it was the same woman. Because now all she does is stand up and say, well, here am I, God. Just send me. Here am I. Send me. Some people have to go for the sake of the name, don't they? Some have to go. Well, John says we ought to support people like that so that we may become fellow workers with the truth. We, he says. We. Some have to go for the sake of the name, and when we, we support them, we support the most powerful tool tool of transformation and restoration the world has ever seen, the name of God, the truth. If in doing so, next week, we deposit that name on the lips of a little boy at Macon Hall Elementary, or if we, we deposit that name on the fragile heart beaten in the chest of a little baby at La Bonner's NICU, now, if we deposit that name in the soul of a Filipino student at the Shiloh Christian School, or in the heart of one of those preachers at the Melanesian Bible School, if we just deposit that name, is it enough? Well, the name of God name above all names has always and will always forever be enough. That's the end of the sermon. And, of course, we planned this morning with its videos, with Jab and Becky visiting, with the sermon, with the songs, without any idea of what would happen this weekend. We just didn't know. No way we could have. And so um, I want to pray as we end a prayer for those who are suffering on the other side of the world in Paris and Beirut, I want to approach God, come into his throne room where those winged creatures are shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then after that, we'll stand and sing and and do some announcements and be dismissed. Can Can we pause for prayer? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is your name in places of peace, like here in this sanctuary this morning where we're not concerned about threats on our lives. How majestic is your name here? And yet, how majestic is your name in places of crisis and strife, like in Paris this morning? How majestic is your name there? God, we're reminded this weekend that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, our struggle is not against seven or eight men, or even a movement, God, that our struggle, like you've told us, is against the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, against the principalities and powers of darkness of this great age. That's where our struggle lies. And yet, God, in spite of that overwhelming struggle, your son, you told us, came preaching peace, peace to those who are far off, and peace to those who are near. Today, God, we pray for those who are far off, that they may be overcome by your peace. God, it's at times like this that we ask that your Holy Spirit cry out for us, that it cry out, Abba, Father, for those in Paris who do not know what to say. God, I pray that like Jesus, our hearts will be overcome by compassion. I think about Jesus who sees the possessed, the demons in people, and does not see them as someone possessed, but as someone whose ministry is not one of violence and destruction. He does not choose to kill them. He chooses to liberate them. Oh, that's hard. God, will you move us this morning? Our hearts are pricked by vengeance and anger. Will compassion win out? please. God, you've told us that the way of the cross, the way of death for the sake of compassion is foolishness to those who are perishing. Makes no sense. Makes no sense to love those who would kill us. Makes no sense. Oh God, have mercy on us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand and sing. No sweeter name than the name of Jesus No sweeter name have I ever